0: morning. We're, uh, we're already in December so we thought we would do uh, some Christmas songs today. So let's stand and sing our first song, O oh Holy Night.
1: O oh, Holy Night, the stars its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder O night divine Led by the light A face serenely beaming With glowing hearts By His cradle we stand So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming here come the wise men from orient land the king of kings lay thus in lowly manger in all
0: Thank you for that night where you did come into this world to come to rescue us sinners, Lord, who were lost without you. But Lord, you provided a way through your coming into this world. And Lord, we're just so thankful that we can spend this month to just remember you and reflect on your coming to this earth. And Lord, as we continue in our regular state, though, I pray that you would just bless uh, the speaker today, Matt, and that you would allow him to speak to us the words you'd have us to say, him to say. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. A couple announcements, um, Jen is still working on the schedules from January through March so if you haven't put in any time that you won't be there and you're going to be away, then let Jen know or if you don't want to be part of a certain thing or you do want to be part of a certain uh, activity, let Jen know. She's trying to finalize them by next week so please let her know by that point point. Um, and that will be for the January to March uh, section. Uh, This week, we'll have our regular prayer meeting uh, in lieu of the women's study, so it'll be at 7.30 in the other room over there on Wednesday night. Also on Wednesday night, we are celebrating uh, Christina's uh, birthday, Christina Long, so you can wish her happy birthday this Wednesday. (laughs) Um, And then, uh, it was said before, but next week, we're preparing for our Christmas event with uh, potluck afterwards with the kids program um, and that will be December 15th at 11 uh, o'clock but because we're doing that we're going to kind of shift everything a little earlier so we'll have the breaking of bread at nine thirty instead of 10 uh, and then we'll have a short nutrition break and then the uh, the program will start at 11 o'clock followed by a potluck. If you haven't yet signed up for bringing any kind of a dish you can sign up on the back table. There's still people Marion's trying to hunt to find so if you haven't, please do it before she finds you. <laughs> and uh, if you're free after this to help set up for it, we'd really appreciate that. Any, any amount of time would be good. Um, otherwise, that's uh, pretty much all the announcements I have. Um, our next song, uh, you guys don't have to stand for this one. We did this one last year. Uh, it's called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. If you know it, you can sing along. Feel free. Uh, if not, just feel free to listen.
1: I heard the bells on Christmas Day Their old familiar carols play Mild and sweet their songs repeat Of peace on earth, goodwill to men And the bells are ringing Like a choir they're singing And in my heart I hear them Peace on earth, goodwill to men And in despair I bow my head There is no peace on earth, I said For hate is strong and mocks the song Of peace on earth, goodwill to men But the bells are ringing Like a choir they're singing anybody hear them? Peace on earth, goodwill to man Then ring the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to men. Then ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime Of peace on earth, goodwill to men And the bells are ringing Like a choir they're singing And with our hearts we'll hear them peace on earth goodwill to man do you hear the bells they're ringing the love the angels singing open up your heart and hear them He on earth Yeah
2: Thank you for the special music, David. It's a um, wonderful time of the year to celebrate the Lord Jesus' birth. And it was wonderful last, uh, last week when um, we had special opportunity to give thanks to the Lord as, uh, as an assembly. And uh, that was a thrill to, um, to thank Him for the, the blessings this past year. Oh, before, um, before we get too far along... Uh, David, there were a couple other birthdays um, we had a 16 year old enter uh, uh, her 16th, 17th year that was Hannah De Silva so happy birthday Hannah and um, Elizabeth um, turned well I don't know how, how old she is but uh, her birthday is this week um, so wish her a happy birthday when you see her We um, we're picking up in Matthew five. We'll take a break next week and uh, have a special Christmas message. I appreciate that. Uh, you who schedule these meetings, thank you for um, for that opportunity to reach out to the neighbors. Two weeks ago, Daniel preached and reminded us from Matthew five forty eight that the Lord's goal for his followers is perfection. Perfection. Not sinlessness, but godliness and spiritual maturity. So following that line, we embark today on the first of three specific areas of practical followership of the Lord Jesus. Today, we're looking at charitable giving. Then uh, later, we'll look at prayer. And the third is fasting. These these are all uh, very intensely practical parts of the Christian life. Bill MacDonald points out in his commentary on this portion of Scripture that Jesus uses the name Father ten times in these 18 verses. And uh, that is the key to understanding the Lord's teaching, that deeds of righteousness should be done for the Father's approval and not for Men's applause. It's interesting that last week uh, we had Giving Tuesday. And not everyone's going to know what uh, Giving Tuesday was, uh, was, is, but it's a, a response by the um, largely by the uh, semiconductor industry to uh, the, the commercialism and bargain grabbing of um, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, the all the hype in, um, in the online stores. So this Giving Tuesday is a, a, a time to give back. That's what the purpose is, the time to give back to charity, a time to give back to the poor, if you will. And um, they totaled up 1.5 billion, with a B, dollars that were transferred from Uh, people's accounts, businesses' accounts, to to charities. That's Giving Tuesday. So it's going to be interesting to see how today's lesson affects our thinking about giving to charities because that is what the Lord Jesus is addressing in these verses today. So uh, Matthew 6, Matthew 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know What your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Lord God, we have your word before us this morning with uh, so many practical applications. Guide us in communication of this word and in the application of it in our lives this week and through our remaining time on earth. We ask. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at this passage in three sections. First, God rejects gifts to the poor that are offered by the double minded or by the hypocrites. Second, God receives and rewards gifts to the poor by those desiring His glory. And third, we will offer a warning, we'll issue a warning to those who seek salvation by giving to charitable causes. God rejects gifts for the poor by the double-minded. You know, God commands us to give. In general, He attaches blessing to giving and warning to those who withhold. In Proverbs 11, we read, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. See, the Lord is, um, is uh, promising blessing to those who scatter, those who give, and um, really a curse to those who withhold what is right and then Proverbs 13 7 there is one who makes himself rich yet has nothing and one who makes himself poor yet has great riches so God wants his people to give in general to give Americans are known internationally as big givers but Americans want the recipients to know just how big the Americans are giving presented the choice between giving big or having a reputation for giving big, what do you think the average American would choose? That seems to be the question the Lord is uh, putting before us this morning. Do you want to give or do you want to be uh, known? Do you want to be, have a reputation for, for giving? So, uh, first... Uh, of four practical questions that we'll ask this morning is, do you give? Do you give to anyone, anytime, anywhere? There are those who don't. They're like a benefits black hole. And they are perpetually drawing in benefits and uh, kindnesses and mercies with nothing going out. Uh, we, we've heard it compared to the Dead Sea. Uh, the Dead Sea is dead. It's, um, it's lifeless. There may be little uh, brine shrimp that grow and, and live in the, in the Dead Sea, but it's so salty that it's, um, it's inhospitable, uninhabitable. And the reason for that is there's no outlet the Jordan River runs fresh and clean into the Dead Sea, and uh, the Dead Sea keeps it all for itself. And so it just becomes saltier and saltier and less less useful. Okay? So um, there are those who do not give as a matter of uh, principle, as a matter of life. God commands it, however. God commands giving to the poor. Not just in general, but especially to the poor. And you can follow along in Deuteronomy 15. Uh, The Lord gives a very strong command here. He says uh, in uh, verse 7, Deuteronomy 15, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren, with any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficiently for his need, whatever he needs. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand and your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing and he cry out to the Lord against you and it becomes sin among you. You shall surely give to him And your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. Brothers and sisters... Don't harden your heart. <clears throat> Don't shut your hand to the needs of the poor, but open your hand wide. That's Old Testament. God seems to repeat this command in, uh, in 1 John. Um, he says, uh, the Apostle John wrote, Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him... How does the love of God abide in him? Great question. We should ask ourselves this morning, if I shut my eyes and my heart to the needs of my brother, how does the the love of God abide in me? How does it? There have been opportunities through the years, some still open, some new ones forming, for giving to the poor. Feed my sheep. That was great. That was, um, that was really an interaction, really a giving to uh, street people, to the homeless, and um, we had good discussions with these, uh, these poor people. And uh, thank you, whoever, whoever set that up. I think Luke and Jen uh, set that up for us, and it was a real outreach to the poor not sure if it's still going on. There is the occasional stranger who stops by the chapel and he asks for a handout. Hey, I'm behind on my month's rent. I'm hungry. Uh, My car needs gasoline. Can you help? It requires some discernment um, in giving so that um, people don't misuse what we give them. And so if uh, if you don't have experience with uh, people asking for handouts, take an older brother or sister along with you and say, listen, we're going to help you. Um, uh, we're going to figure out how to, to help you here. Families we see at the shopping center, again, discernment's needed. Um, they've got their kids. They, they're, uh, uh, they're in need. Uh, we can help them. Love Oakland is a recent outreach by some of the brothers at Fairhaven and they are actually going into homeless encampments in Oakland and uh, offering the gospel and um, help with documentation, um, uh, whatever is needed down there. Um, one uh, veteran, uh, military veteran, didn't have paperwork for VA benefits, and so this other military veteran was gonna help him with that. So here's an opportunity to reach out to the poor. Compassion Network here in Fremont is is another short-term missions where where we go and and reach out to uh, poor people overseas or uh, offering a scholarship, funding someone to go on a short-term mission. Richmond Rescue Mission, I've not been there, but um, uh, we've had Great opportunities with rescue missions in the past. A prison visit. Never been to prison, but I'd like to go. If uh, if you're headed to uh, prison with the gospel, I'd like to go with you. Hospital visitation. Um, going to a retirement home like Bethesda and just walking through the halls. Somebody's going to grab you with a problem. They're going to say, would you pray with me or... Um, uh, Listen, I, I've got this need, and you're there for them. Samaritan's Purse. Years past, we used to send gift boxes to children overseas. Uh, disaster relief. Granted, there will be a disaster uh, in the months ahead. Uh, is there some way that we can reach out uh, financially, or people even go to these places to, to assist, to rebuild to, um, to comfort, to encourage. And so uh, these, are, these are opportunities for reaching the poor. You may offer the excuse that you are poor yourself and therefore unable to give. You're on the receiving end. And yet some of the most generous givers in Scripture, recorded in Scripture, are uh, the poor. There was the widow with her two mites. Jesus, in uh, Mark twelve, forty-one. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given money to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of their poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. The the Macedonians, during the Apostle Paul's ministry, showed themselves generous in giving. Paul wrote to the Corinthians of them, he said, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you The grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Liberality is a good translation of the original. Also, please note for later that the word can be translated simplicity or singleness of heart. Okay? So... Um, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. So here are some more generous givers those who couldn't afford it, they gave beyond their means. And not all of these opportunities that we looked at uh, a minute ago involve financial giving. Nor did the Lord's instructions in today's scripture necessarily involve financial giving. It looks like it, but uh, really these are deeds of mercy. They are charitable acts. They cover a wider range than just um, giving uh, financially. They require other resources, our precious time, our precious energy, Okay, so these are things that we may offer to the poor. Do you give? Do you give to the poor? Or are you like this, um, this dead sea where there's much coming in and nothing going out? Where are the poor? Who are the poor to which you Give. Jesus warned against giving for display. He opens this portion of Scripture by saying, Take heed. Take heed. Beware. Look out. Showmanship is a sin. If I'm I'm, uh, giving for display, then that is sin. And it's subtle. It can overtake even the most careful giver. So the Lord says, Beware. Look out. And it's damaging It could corrupt all the good that you thought you did because you were offering it for the wrong motive. So in these verses, um, in verses 1 and 2, the Lord gives an occasion. He says, when you do a charitable deed. That's the occasion he's talking about. He doesn't say if. He's assuming that you will um, offer a charitable deed then he offers an exhortation and a motive and a result. For those who really like to break down um, uh, verses of scripture, here it is. The Lord's exhortation is take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. That's simple enough. Don't, don't uh, give for display, don't give for, um, for, uh, for others to see. That's the motive, is to be seen by men. The consequence of that is that you have no reward from your Father in Heaven. If you uh, do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, you have no reward from your Father in Heaven. Then the second exhortation in these verses is, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Okay? Don't don't, uh, don't give fanfare. The motive is that they may have glory for men. That's why the hypocrites were sounding the trumpets, that they might have glory for men. What's the consequence? What's the result of this uh, this glory-seeking? Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Interesting, okay? There's a the contrast here um, Jesus says that their reward is their present possession. There's nothing beyond that that they should expect. They have it. You have your reward. And then there's the contrast between your father's reward and your reward. They are mutually exclusive. That means you can have one or the other, but you can't have both. You can't have the Father's reward and your reward, okay? What attracts people to the applause of their fellow men? What's the draw here? Why, why is this such a temptation? Why do people um, want to appear to be such big givers, have such a reputation for forgiving? There are several attractions. One is that the natural man looks to the physical and to appearance instead of spiritual. He can see and hear the admiration of his followers. But he must accept God's approval by faith. It's silent. It's invisible. Okay, so... Attraction number one is that um, we are physical beings. We clue, we cue on the, on the physical. <clears throat> we prefer that in our nature over the spiritual. Second attraction is we fail to realize who God is. There's a short circuit of faith. There's a major disconnect in reality between uh, who God is and who we think that he is. We're going to look more at the character of God in a few moments. But um, to unbelief, a human being looks larger than the Lord. The human looks more imposing than does the living God. And so this is an attraction to the hypocrite, to those who... Uh, who give uh, for display. This unbelief is also known as the fear of man. We fear men, we don't fear God, because uh, man appears so much more uh, threatening, so much more imposing to us. A third attraction is that we have a very limited sight. Would you bring up a slide for us, Daniel? Daniel? Here's a street sign, I don't know if you can read it, limited sight distance. The, um, the city puts that on streets where you're not able to see a uh, side street because there's a turn. And so slow down, you've got a uh, limited sight ahead of you. But that becomes a, a fault in our lives when we restrict our view we restrict our consideration to our, um, our life on earth. We don't look at things that are above the sun. We don't take the long view, the eternal view. We're limiting our, um, our considerations just to what we are able to, uh, to see in our lifetimes. And this is a danger. Uh, fourth, the pride of life. The Apostle John warned against it in in uh, 1 John 2 that um, um, the love of the Father is not in those who have the pride of life. And then uh, another is lack of love for God. Jesus said this in his teaching in John 5. He um, He told his hearers, I do not receive honor from men That is profound. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receives honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? This is an attraction to those who do not love God. They turn to receive honor from men. And for all these attractions of the world's uh, applause, it's all empty. When the trumpet is silenced and the adoring crowd disperses, when the hypocrite goes back to his house and he's sitting alone in the dark with his thoughts, he's thinking... What was that all about? It was nothing. I I gained nothing from it. What value is this show? I'm really not the philanthropist that I make myself out to be. I'm going to have to try harder tomorrow. Have to do bigger, bigger display tomorrow. Such as the thinking of the hypocrite. Jesus' conclusion is the, the hypocrites have their reward. You have what you, you wanted, and that's all. They forsook the honor that comes from the only God and chose an empty, earthly, fading reward. Turning to a positive example, um, William Borden was a young um, heir of uh, a vast fortune that he uh, He refused. And he chose instead to serve the Lord in China. And so he prepared for um, ministering the gospel in, uh, in foreign land. And he made it as far as Cairo, where he was uh, afflicted, age 26, and uh, the Lord called him home. But um, it was written about William Borden that there was so little self-consciousness about him or craving for appreciation that one who knew him the best could say, in all the years that I was in close touch with William Borden, I never saw him do one thing to make an impression. He was, um, uh, he was dead to the world's applause. He, uh, he had no, it had no attraction for him. So uh, our first question was, do you give? Second question is, do you give to the poor and our third question is Do you give to the poor without display, without show, but with integrity and simplicity and a single mind for God's glory? Romans 12, 8 seems to state positively what the Lord desires. Romans 12, 8 having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Verse 8, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality. There's that word again that we saw in 2 Corinthians 8. Liberality also means simplicity. It means a, um, a singleness of heart and mind. So, um, so Paul wrote that... Um, He who gives, let him give with liberality or simplicity or singleness of mind, uh, a single uh, desire to see the Lord glorified. We talk about integrity, uh, giving with integrity, and uh, really we could define integrity as faithfulness to God-given convictions our faithfulness to God-given convictions, those from His Word. Okay, so how can we apply the Lord's instructions so far this morning? We talked about different, um, different opportunities. The Lord also um, would have us avoid certain pitfalls. And here are some pitfalls. The um, ostentatious giving, the display giving, Today shows itself in making memorials for donors. We name our hospitals after the donors. We name universities or buildings on the universities for these donors. And it's, um, it's a temptation to pride. Some organizations publish lists of contributors in special categories, making the amount of their gift their standing in the list. It's a great way to publicly acknowledge contributions, but it encourages boasting and one-upmanship or competitive pride. Avoid them. How big a splash can you make? When I was a youngster, we had a community swimming pool. And um, the, uh, the high schoolers, or maybe they were college age, they'd take over the deep end of the pool and uh, they'd crank the adjustment of the, uh, the board to its full, uh, full spring, and uh, they'd get up there one at a time and they'd bounce and bounce and bounce, and then they'd uh, do a cannonball or a watermelon or a um, can opener into the swimming pool with a giant uh, splash. It'd send water splo- sloshing over the sides of the pool. It was a competitive... Uh, event for them to see who could make the biggest splash. And it seems that um, in our um, giving for display that we're trying to see who can make the biggest splash financially. Um, some, in some meetings, they have open offering plates. So in the worship meeting, you collect the offering in an open plate. And uh, I really appreciate the uh, offering bag don't know when that started, but um, there's a, a danger in having an open offering that I'm I'm going to give my my bills into the offering, or maybe uh, maybe my check is showing, and I'm I've really got this large gift uh, that I'm I'm giving, and it's a uh, it's an opportunity for pride again. Our deacons do our utmost to protect the privacy of you and us, the donors, so that there's none of this opportunity for uh, one-upmanship, competitiveness, or pride. Occasionally, we'll see a photo in the newspaper of a donor and recipient standing either side of this huge check. You've seen it, uh, you've seen it in the newspaper, and smiles on either side, uh, maybe shaking hands, and uh, the amount of the check is there very clearly in the, uh, in the photograph. It's, um, uh, it's uh, again, a great way to acknowledge, to publicize a gift, but it's uh, lousy for modesty and for, uh, for humility. It really deals a death blow to, um, uh, to our secret giving. So uh, we see how God rejects The giving for the poor by the double-minded, by the hypocrite, by those who seek their own glory. Let's look now at God's acceptance of gifts for the poor by those who seek His glory. In verses 3 and 4, the Lord Jesus said, but when you do a charitable deed, here's that occasion again, not if, but when you do this charitable deed, do not let your Left hand, know what your right hand is doing. That's his exhortation. The motive, that your charitable deed may be done in secret. The result, your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Left hand, right hand. What does the Lord mean? Well, in the assembly, It means that I can offer a needy person a financial gift anonymously and the needy person doesn't find out who gave the gift or I can do a charitable act, some other other act for the person and uh, without attaching my name to it, um, the left hand in the assembly doesn't know what the right hand has just done. that, um, that we understand well enough. But how does one apply this personally? <clears throat> how does a person's left hand, there it is, not know what my right hand is doing? Well, <clears throat> it involves a voluntary self-forgetfulness. And an illustration from the Old Testament may help. Uh, Deuteronomy twenty four nineteen. The Lord commanded, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Show us what a, a sheaf of uh, grain looks like. There it is. So here are, here are bundles of sheaves in a field. And imagine that one of those escaped the notice of the uh, owner of the field. So one sitting out in the, um, uh, in the field by itself. Okay. The farmer, uh, I'm going to borrow your imagination for a minute. The farmer returns home after an exhausting day of harvest. He sits down at his desk and there remembers that there was a sheaf of grain out there in the field that he did not bring into the barn. So he's, um, he has the following debate with himself. His left hand represents all the work that he did today, uh, that exhausting work in the, in the harvest. His right, in his right hand... He's, um, he's making uh, an accounting of, of the day's work. The left hand says, I bound 50 sheaves in the field today and I counted only 49 in the barn. The right hand says, I'm not going back for it. The left hand says, I worked hard for that that sheaf is part of the harvest, I need it. The right hand says, I've closed my books, my harvest of that field is finished. The left hand says, do I know how much, that, how much grain is in that sheaf, how much it's worth? The right hand says, I did until three minutes ago, I have forgot it now and I'm through. With, uh, with this. So the, the farmer has, um, has uh, engaged in a bit of self-forgetfulness. The accounting half of the farmer has dismissed the claim of the laboring half, even though it was a legitimate claim. He forgot the, the uh, sheaf in the field. The Lord instructs him, continue forgetting it. Don't don't remember it. It's gone. And we may call this, um, actually, this same forgetfulness uh, we exercise in our forgiveness of others' offenses. When I forgive someone of an offense, I forgot the offense. I forget it. It's gone. God wants me to exercise this same forgetfulness in my giving to the poor. I call it spirit-inspired absent-mindedness. The application of this is don't tell your recipients how generous you are. Don't tell them how difficult the cake was to bake. Don't tell them how many trips you had to make to the parts store to tune up the the recipient's car. Don't don't tell them how difficult uh, it was to serve them. Illustration of of this uh, is given in uh, the story of Boaz. Boaz is our secret giver. Um, Give us a slide, Daniel. When Ruth rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her, Leave it that she uh, leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So here's uh, here's an artist's uh, rendition of um, a poor woman out there. Uh, the field has been harvested, the sheaves have been taken, and uh, all that's left are these um, these stalks of grain. Uh, you may not be able to see it, but her cloak is uh, tattered, and she's just gathering these uh, heads of grain. In her hand, she's got a little pouch there on the front. She's um, she's putting the grain into the uh, into that pouch for for her meal for food. Ruth gleaned the field. That is, she went back and she took the scraps of uh, of grain, which was her God-given privilege to do. But Boaz ordered his harvesters, probably very efficient. In their, in their harvesting, probably didn't leave uh, anything on the ground uh, Boaz instructed them to leave, uh, leave grain for Ruth. Ruth had no idea that um, uh, what Boaz was doing, she was just gathering the grain that was left by the harvesters. And so um, Boaz was giving to Ruth secretly. The danger in our left-handed reasoning, no offense to our left-handers here, is that we think that we have given enough, or even that we have given too much, and we become callous to the needs of the poor around us. We become complacent in our giving. We become uh, contented in our service. Are you satisfied with your giving? Have you reviewed your donations to the poor through the years and decided that that's all? That's all I'm giving. That's all the poor get is what I've given them already. Such complacency is the enemy of progress. It's the the death of growth and devotedness. What if somehow the Lord Jesus determined that his stoop to earth was sacrifice enough? You know, I've done so much for these, um, uh, these wicked sinners just coming to earth that uh, I'm going to heal them, I'm going to um, cast out their demons, and then I'm going back to glory. No sacrifice. We would be lost. There would be no hope for us if the Lord Jesus took that, that tack. Interestingly, during his earthly ministry, Jesus told those he healed to be silent. What a contrast to the glory seeking hypocrites in the synagogues and in the streets. Jesus' ministry was full of charitable deeds, yet, he entered into none of the shameless self promotion of the um, religious leaders. Instead, he sought his father's approval and refused the honors that the world would have thrust upon him. The giver who is intent on the Lord's glory doesn't look back. He's forgotten, effectively, what he has contributed. He has no reserve. He makes no retreat. He has no regrets. He wishes that he could have given more. Grace Atkins wrote, By and by when I look on his face, beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face, by and by when I look on his face, I wish I had given him more, more, so much more, more of my love than I e'er gave before. By and by when I look on his face, I wish I had given him more. The simple, single-minded giver devoted to God's glory is a compassionate, I'm sorry, is a passionate giver. My friend at work is passionate about the 49ers. If the 49ers played today, uh, he will be in the big boss's office tomorrow recapping the game, guaranteed. They, uh, they discuss the um, uh, offense and defense uh, mistakes and the other team uh, this same friend is also um, passionate about firearms. He collects them. He may not know how many he has. And uh, he may even be at the range this morning firing a uh, few of those firearms. It's a, it's, a, it's a passion. And he is passionate about electric power generation. So that if I... Uh, wander too far from Ohm's law, power is equal to current times voltage, he'll correct me mid-sentence. He's that passionate about, uh, about electricity and uh, generation. One day he looked at me and he said, you're not passionate about anything. I wasn't gonna argue with him. I don't follow the 49ers. I don't own a handgun. And uh, I have a lot to learn about uh, electric power generation. So, in his book, I'm—I'm I'm not a passionate person. <laughs> One thing to learn from this experience is that we don't live in a way that we have to stand before God and have Him tell us, "You're not passionate. You're not passionate." Let's be passionate about his glory. Whether it's worshiping him with our Sunday morning offering. um, Lord, you're worthy of of what I give this morning. You're worthy of so much more. Um, Or whether it's uh, visiting the needy in their, uh, their sickness, their trouble. Or if it's taking out the trash at home or at the chapel. Do all to the glory of God. Do it passionately. It's it's giving. So our questions this morning are, do you give? Do you give to the poor? Do you give to the poor with a single mind for the glory of God? Do you give to the poor with a single mind of glory for God passionately. Is it your passion? Your charitable deed done in secret, God sees in secret and he will reward you openly. God seeks those who desire his glory with a single heart. Jesus said to the woman at the well, he said, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. He's actively seeking those who uh, give for His glory. God God sees those who give to the poor and who pray and who fast in secret. Nothing is hidden from him. Weeks past we considered the, um, the name of God. He is El Roy. He is El Roy, the God who sees. God seeks worshippers, God sees those who give secretly, and God rewards those who seek, who, who give secretly. He is the righteous judge of all our thoughts and actions. What is a terror to the hypocrite is a comfort to the hypocrite to the saint. As our secret sins are open scandal in heaven, so our secret giving is open and public to him. What reward does God give? Some people think they'll drive a sports car in heaven. One week they're giving uh, a steering wheel. Another week they're laying up a tail light. The next week, they're uh, giving toward a radiator for this car in in glory. Um, This person's heart is wrong. What reward did God give Abraham? Abraham refused the the material reward that the uh, king of Sodom offered. And the Lord came and ministered to Abram afterwards and he said uh, to Abram in a vision, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. That's the Lord's reward. He offers it substantial, eternal, personal, and present. It's a present possession of the one who gives secretly. Bishop Whipple wrote, All we want in Christ, we shall find in Christ. If we want little, we shall find little. If we want much, we shall find much. But if in utter helplessness we cast our all on Christ, he will be to us the whole treasury of God. Mary Byrne wrote it this way. She said, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always, Thou and thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure, thou art. Finally, we want to close with a warning to those who seek salvation through giving to the poor. Woe to you, my friend, if you believe what some religious systems teach, that you can earn salvation through giving to the poor. People teach that churches teach that hear what god says in proverbs 15:8 the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to god you're sacrificing to god without knowing him it's an abomination it's an offense to him your giving is detestable to god because you seek to replace the precious blood of christ with your own self righteousness isaiah Proclaimed, he said, we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. The only meritorious work that saves is the meritorious work of Jesus on the cross. So that Peter would write, you're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful for um, so many times uh, telling it like it is. Your, your whole word, your whole scripture is um, giving us reality, telling us the way things really are. And we... We appreciate that. Um, give us discernment as we give to the poor, to um, to really give in secret, and so doing to honor you. And um, we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. We'll forego our closing hymn. Thank you.